Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 354 featuring uh, Nathan Millsap, CG generalist over at Ghost VFX. I actually uh, knew Nathan when he started his first career in visual effects. I gave him one of his first jobs uh, and I am extremely proud of that, uh, and I should be, because he turned out to be such an amazing person, uh, and uh, he just needed a chance, and I was very happy to give it to him. I gave him a really crappy job, though, I have to say. I felt really bad about it, uh, because he had to do a lot of grunt work on that job, and he did it with such a smile and with such vigor that I knew he was going to go places because he had the right attitude, and he, indeed he has. So, uh, Kristen, what did you think of, uh, of Nathan? <laughs> Yeah, well, he just seems so nice, which is one of the reasons why you hired him. And I think why he's been so successful also. Um, his career, He's worked at over 18 um, studios, which is crazy. And some are like, a lot of them are huge. Um, one being uh, ILM in Singapore. And that was a cool story. Um, and just the films he's worked on from like 2012 to Avatar, Oblivion, Tomb Raider, just to name like a little few. Mm -hmm. um, but you guys got, go into that and then kind of like how the pandemic uh, kind of struck him. I think he had said he had no job for about a year and now mm -hmm. he's at Ghost VFX, which is, a you know, we do work with them sometimes. They're a great yeah. company. Um, and just kind of hearing about his work from home setup and just how you know, Ghost is so great about it as well. Um, he's happy. Um, but yeah, it's just like a, a good podcast. Very interesting. We kind of learn a lot about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, one thing I, I really appreciate about Nathan is the honesty that he had, right? Is he really talked about some of the struggles he had in his in, in, in things that he was doing. But really, honestly, he's been very, he's done some really great works and had some great opportunities that showed up, right? And uh, some the, the pandemic, you know, did, did hurt a lot of people when they were working in, so, in some cases, and he was one of the people that did that. But he did note that, you know, that the, 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 the tides have changed and it, yeah. is, it, is, it is definitely a feasting moment right now uh, where everyone is just completely overworked and he can't do all of the jobs that he wants to do on the side because it is just enormous amount of work being out there. So really appreciate uh, that story and sort of getting into it and also just, you know, Nathan being Nathan and not having seen him in, in a while. It was really kind of great to catch up with him. I also really like, you know, the story that he talks about working much further, right? Like working remotely now is a big advantage for him because he kind yeah. of lives way out there uh, uh, and, you know, which is great for his family. And also now with the you know, working from home, it's great for him as well. It was something that he was struggling with for a long time. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was great catching up with Nathan and I really uh, uh, love seeing uh, what he's doing right now. Uh, I know it's getting towards the end of the year and if you don't necessarily have a lot of huge announcements, but I do want to have one announcement uh, that you guys should check out uh, tomorrow, uh, is going, uh, which is going to be December 14th, is the Real-Time Conference and I will be hosting a panel at the Real-Time Conference on the subject of NFTs and the metaverse. And uh, I've got some amazing panelists in there, including some venture capitalists who are going to tell us exactly why these things are worth so much money, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, but uh, I definitely uh, go check it out. So go to the real-time conference uh, and check out uh, our registration. I 
don't know if it costs anything. I don't think it costs anything. So you may want to just go ahead and do that. But I will be presenting there and I would love to see you. So make sure and check it out um, as well as all the other great talks that are happening at the Real Time Conference. I enjoyed it. I personally loved uh, attending it and I'm really glad that Jean-Michel was able to invite me to do that as well. Uh, but in terms of uh, the podcast, Kristen, uh, where, if people want to know more, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have any other ideas about guests or people you would like to have on, and we've gotten some great suggestions in the past, please let us know. Uh, labs at chaosgroup.com is our email. And just go ahead and email us there. Again, that's labs at chaosgroup.com. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and share us with all of your friends and family. And we also hope that you guys are getting ready for the holidays. I think it's going to be a nice one. <laughs> Finally, hopefully. And a safe one. A safe one is the more yes. important one. All right. But with that, please enjoy episode number 354 with Nathan Millsap. Welcome to another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays. In high dynamic range, we know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. All right, uh, so... Nick, you are starting a trend that I've done here where I've actually been interviewing people on the podcast who have known at a very early parts of their career <laughs> and seeing <laughs> all these amazing things that, uh, you know, people have been able to do over years. So uh, I believe the first time I met you was 2006. It might have been. S- it might have been late. 2006 it was definitely early 2007 right and uh we were working on the the nissan commercials right yeah i think so there were some cars going around an oval track yes that's the one (laughs) yeah some sales event or something fun like that yeah it was my i think it was one of my first jobs at sway as a supervisor at sway uh and we Mm. needed extra help <laughs> i think i remember i was like we need extra help yep. and i said i said i just need someone because we were we we're doing so much rendering of like lots and lots of elements and i just like i need someone who can just bang out just like set up renders and put them on the farm set up renders and put it on the farms <laughs> and uh, i remember speaking to one of the producers he goes i got just a guy this guy is very ambitious <laughs> he's young and he's new and he wants to do he's like <laughs> it's like are you sure he wants tedious work and i was like We'll see. Oh, it doesn't matter. And you came on with such a great attitude that I've always loved uh, working with you. But uh, tell us a little, what what got you into 3D? Like, what got you excited about doing this kind of work? Well, uh, all the way back in high school, as you can tell, when I started with you, I was actually still pretty young. Mm -hmm. Um, In high school, we had a a very lucky elective uh, setup at my school, which is, you have all your normal classes and stuff like that, but you have these electives that are something kind of fun. Well, at my school, your first year for freshmen, you can do drafting. If you pass that, then you can go into CAD. 
then you can go into Advanced CAD, and as for your senior year, you could do 3D Studio Max. So I was very, like, freshman year, I'm like, ah, oh, I want to do 3D stuff, so what do I got to do? All right, so we learn all the stuff, pencil, paper, all of that stuff, how to create isom- um, isometric drawings. Just isometric drawings in 2D, then you, you do all the gauges, and, and you do all of the measurements, and it has to be perfect. And then you get to, as, as I was graduating, you're like, yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> you know, in 3D, if it looks right, then it is right. right. If you do it in AutoCAD, it has to be perfect. Right. So that was super fun. Um, and then. But why did you want to do uh, 3D? So, like, what, what, what was the thing that, like, got you excited about 3D? Uh, probably the, the Toy Story movies. Quite honestly, those were really big at the time. We'd look through, like, I can't believe how many leaves are in this tree. All the, the amazing tech that was going on. It was really uh, mind-blowing for the time. And so I just really enjoyed movies. And that was the time that that had really kind of made it big. Right. And then uh, was able to go to college for it, which now I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. Because I think I've been asked about my my degree once, and I still was going to get the job anyways. It just made it easier to go to Singapore. Right. But like no one, no one really cares all that much. But it, it did help a little bit. It broadened my horizons of of the art world right. and stuff, and learning, you know, what makes a good shot. Just making it pretty is usually not enough. It's telling telling the story within. You know, there, there was more. Where did you go um, to college? I went to the Art Institute oh, okay. of uh, L.A. and Orange County. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, um, I, I, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I've always I've been thinking. I have a, a, a different thoughts about education, especially like education as training. I don't necessarily think is uh, uh, always necessary. If you have, if you're smart enough and ambitious enough, especially in three D, you can train yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. If you if you have that ambition, I, I talked to a couple young young uh, guys when um, over at Pixamondo a couple times and stuff like that, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to take this Nomen shop." And I was like, "Awesome! They do really great stuff because they give you exact knowledge for what you want." And he's like, "Oh, it's for matte painting." I was like, "You know that the teacher's right here, right? Like, I'll go get Alex Knight. He's in the other room. Let's go talk to him." And so they're like, no, I really like, I like having a, a class type situation. There's consequences and stuff for not doing your work or you, you pay attention better while you're in school. So some people benefit that way where I'm like, I'm just going to go talk to him. <laughs> like, I'm going to go pick the brain of the guy who's the teacher anyway, yeah. where I, I like doing it that way. But it does help others. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think there's like there's certain things that I think you get in school that you get contextually that you, it doesn't. You it's harder for you to do. Like like art history, for example. You kind of hinted at that a little bit, right? Art history is something you're going to mm-hmm. do a better job in school, right? You're not you're not going to say I'm oh, going to learn art history on YouTube. It's like mm. <laughs> no. no, having teachers like that really do do help. They quite do. Good. They do. And you know, I I well, listen. I have an architecture degree that I've you know, used once and, and, uh, it's mm-hmm. I move forward, but I have huge respects for my architecture degree itself, not because I needed it for architecture, but because especially with the school I went to, it taught me how to learn. 
like learning how to learn yeah. is a kind of an interesting thing to, to do. And I think that's, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I knew that when I met you, you were like, just give me this, give me the, the challenge, give me the information and I'll do it. Uh, so I think that's, yeah. that's probably why you, you, you feel the way you do. <laughs> oh yeah. I love uh, the amount of issues where I'm like, I have no clue how I'm going to do this, right. but I look certain things up. I talk to certain people. I try a few things. It's, it's the, the, the process that's really fun for me. So if I know how to do a certain pro, I get really bored. Right. Cause I'm like, I want to, I want to either make it better or, you know, it's fun for problem solving. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of it. Right. In this industry. <laughs> yep. I, th- I, I, there's a lot of I it. think I mentioned this story before. It was one of my, when my first job in, in, uh, in visual effects was, and I was at, at DD and Andy Weisler was my, uh, my supervisor at the time and he gave me an assignment and I looked at him and I was terrified. And I finally admitted, he's like, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and he looked at me and he says, well, neither do I, but I think between the two of us, we can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was kind of like, Oh, I get it. And that was good. Mean, you're right. It's great. It's really cool. So, all right. So, so you were, so was Sway one of your first jobs in, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, working with you was, was my very first job. I did uh, architectural visualization beforehand, but it was one of those, all right, let's hire one kid out of college, give him a single Dell computer with no farm, no assistance whatsoever, and be like, here, make something pretty. Mm-hmm. And it just, it ended up poorly. Right. And so then left there, and, and I was like, I was a big car guy. I built my first car. All right. And so when you, when we were doing all the car stuff, I'm like, this is perfect. This is right. What I love. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I love doing that. And then, uh, you, you gave me my in over at speeching with Rob Niederhorst and, right. and Eric Sheely. And then we did black, uh, blackbird yep. with, uh, with Joe Kaczynski. Yeah. Kaczynski. That was, that, that was, was really that was his fir- Joe Kaczynski's first sort of like, mini film that he had done. I mean, he, I guess he had done, no, he yeah. did some stuff at Sway. He did some commercials at Sway, but that was like a first big car thing that he had done and sort of led him. To yeah. That. Yeah. That was awesome. So how was working on the Blackbird project? Oh, that, it's, it's probably the reason I don't hold traditional schooling up that high because I tripled my knowledge just sitting next to Greg. Oh, Sedilis? During, during, yeah. During the first like two, three months there. Yeah. He would just show me these little things, little things, little things, little things. So I'm like, geez, this guy ever stop, man. He's just a, a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so I was just sitting there just eating up everything. So it, it, for me, it's better to sit next to somebody who really just wants to share. And then you just pick up so many amazing tips and tricks. And stuff like yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Greg is, he's, he's really, he's a really good person. I have begged him many times to be on this podcast. He always refuses, uh, which <laughs> if you know him, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah. but he's uh, he is a great mentor, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, so how long? Oh were, yeah, he uh, took me under his wing for a good year uh, until he departed. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know, everybody's moves around quite a bit. I mean, I I think I I did the math a little while ago, and I've been at either eighteen or nineteen different companies. Wow. <laughs> so, but 
I really enjoyed part of that. Now I've got a family. I want to stay at one place as long as possible. I love the crew that I'm at now. As well, like most places, I love the crew. That's why you're in the industry. You're usually not in the industry for self-serving as much as you just truly enjoy the people. Um, you make tons of friends as you, as you move around. And, you know, someone calls me, you know, if Rob calls me, oh, I got a project. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, Rob Nearhorse like, okay, let, let's take a look. Let's see what's going on. Right. Um, it just makes it enjoyable. And that's what makes this industry great is the people. So, yeah. Where did you end up? One that really took us off. Yeah. Where did you end up after after speech hit? Um, over at Uncharted Territory, we worked on 2012. Right. So you were so, yeah, Greg that, there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Greg came came on a little. The funny story with that one was we were having a really hard time rendering this um this big plane, and it was taking forever. And he came in with his laptop and Mac and V-Ray and just. Yeah, I do it on my laptop in like forty-five minutes. We're that, like, dude, that, you can't, you can't do that. We set up a whole pipeline. That's right. <laughs> and he's just like, well, just kind of, you know. We we had a, a really fun time. Still talked to a great number of those guys that were that were on that. that you know, twelve-hour days, six, seven days a week. That was my longest uh, OT bender for sure. Right. What was it like working with Uncharted? Because they're kind of a different visual effects studio, right? They kind of like pop up and then completely shrink down to nothing. They were absolutely fantastic. And one of the things that I didn't know at the time was how important it was to have Roland Emmerich in the house. That was amazing. So when when he saw something that he was like, okay, well, I kind of want this or, or something like this, then you're not like, did I go through my supervisor? Did I go through our producer? Did I go through five different people of communication? You're like, no, this is what this person wants. I go give it to him. Yeah. And so it was really, really awesome. You don't really get that kind of feedback. Yeah. And so um, they took really good care of us. We always had like catered food when it was getting into overtime and um, the people were awesome. It was, I had a really, really good time working with them yeah i know i know i do know about the uh, the, the 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 rendering challenges on that film uh, which were not fear by the way uh, uh are legendary <laughs> uh, but i do I, I hold the record you held the record i hold the record on that yeah what was the record um, the big shot that was on the um the billboards right so the limos going down that street and everything's going crazy that's my shot uh-huh. with uh with rienzo oh with mark me. rienzo yeah 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 so we had to break it into left and right, center, then extreme foreground, midground, background, super far background. So there's 12 different sections that need to be rendered, all with holdouts and stuff like that, all of them being about 24 to 48 hours each. <laughs> and so they're like, do we have all the animation correct? Because if we send this, it's so we're going to be here a bit. <laughs> we're going to be here for a bit. Yeah. Yep. And none of those were, I don't believe we had a render pass manager at that time. So each oh. submission was in, was about an hour to submit. Right. So because the files were just so big and the submission process. Yeah. It was definitely the longest that I've ever had to, to wait for renders. Yeah. 
I had one of those on Ghost Rider at one point. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It was a whole Delph, Delph had some long ones too. Yeah. Yeah. I did uh, uh, Ghost Rider. I had some uh, 24 hour frame renders. It was the, the, the shot where he puts his hand on a bike and it transforms. Yeah. And they, uh, they could never get it to look quite right because they were using RenderMan at the time and they basically had to fake the reflections and the reflections never cut look. And so they bit the bullet and ray traced the reflections with RenderMan was not, this is a long time ago, was not Yeah, this very, is the 32 bit? Uh, yeah, it was definitely, definitely 32 bit. You were doing yeah. <laughs> three gigs of RAM max? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they were taking 24 hours of frame to render and they just basically, it was my last shot that I had to do. And they basically just slow burned it on the farm. And I just sat there and waited. I went to the movies because it took a week to render. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. So, so okay. So that was a great show. I did, I did, I did love hearing some of the stories about uh, 2012 uh, in terms of the, the crew and Uncharted. I think that was really great work, especially that shot that you just mentioned, that earthquake shot. Oh, oh man. That was some of my favorite stuff to work on. It was so cool. Yeah, beautiful and then, work. And then after that, I was able to go over to Frantic Films, which ended up, at the time I was there, be bought out by Prime Focus. Right. And we were working on The Tree of Life and uh, Avatar. Oh, so, right. So that one was kind of fun to do. Avatar was, was, was the Avatar stuff, like the, the, the big the holo, holographic stuff, that the, the table thing that they were looking at, some of that? Was yeah, yeah. Good. A lot of it was, was that, the part that I worked on was the, uh, the what do you call it, the, um, the base. The All base. the helicopters, like landing and, and the crazy stuff like that, that okay. the base. I, I, my responsibility was to take all of the assets that came from Weta and stuff like that, turn them into max objects, materials, assets, it's just everything and save them out and then they'd start animating stuff. So And was that here in LA? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was in Hollywood. Okay, got it. Oh, I know. Yeah, right on the Hollywood Pass, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Right next Who to whatever uh, it's a, they have that record building. Yep. It was right next to it. Yeah, yeah. I remember now. Okay. Well, cool. All right. All right. So I, I know you've worked at 18 different places, so you don't have to name all of them. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the Avatar one's kind of fun. The, the Avatar was good. Yeah. What, what was the second one? Well, the Avatar and the 2012 were kind of kind of big ones. Yeah. Okay. Pixamunda, so what were some of the other? A lot there. Pixamunda. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're still they're, they're still doing big stuff there. What were you doing there? Uh, pretty much lighting supervisor for. Uh, and they're, they're all the bad films, unfortunately. So, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth with the Rock, uh -huh. which my daughter loves. I'm like, yep. wait, as long as somebody loves it, that's fine. Um, and then Green Lantern. That one <laughs> yep. was another one. It's just like, hey, I don't get to pick the movies. I just, <laughs> you never get to pick those. Um, yeah. I did a couple more later on, but that was coming back and forth, back and forth. You know, the, okay. the industry at the time was you'd work somewhere for six months you'd work somewhere for a couple weeks right at the time you'd move around pretty quickly because no one was really staffing 10 years ago not much at least yeah yeah especially around that circle like but you've always been sort of a generalist lighting centric 
generalist. Yes. Okay. Well, that was put on me. I wanted to actually do a lot of other stuff, but um, at at Speed Shape, that's all they wanted me to do. So I got really dialed in on that area, and I was like, all right, cool. I can do it. And then it was just like, oh, then you got pretty good at it. Like, all right, cool. So we just, that was my, my niche area. What did you want to do? What did you think you wanted to do? I was really intrigued with rigging for a long time. Because oh, yeah. as, as like a, you know, I built my first car. I like the engineering part of it. So to me, rigging stuff so it works, like, was really interesting to me. You know, like an erector yeah. set. You're just building this stuff up. And I'm glad I stayed away because it sounds like the headaches are pretty bad when it goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I just rigged my first character, believe it or not. <laughs> I, do little, I do little things to make my life easier as a generalist. I'm like, I don't want it to go back, so I rigged something else so I could just get the shot done. Yeah. But it's, people... It's, it's, yeah. I know, I haven't rigged a person. This is a, 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 little, a little robotic thing that I've been doing. But anyway, oh, it's nice. been, uh, you know, <laughs> just... Just thinking and understanding bones and hierarchy. And if you mess it up, it's like untangling that. (laughs) If it's twisted twisted that one degree, yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I got into scripting for a little while to make my life easier. So before a lot of the render pass manager stuff came up, I was using buttons to just like, all right, select everything, matte, unmatte, you know, visible to camera. So I, I make my own little scripts that way, but... Um, and before baking cameras became really popular, I made a, a baking and renaming camera that locked all the transforms so I couldn't mess it up. Because for the longest time, they were like, oh, all of a sudden you moved the screen. And you're like, no, did I did I not? Uh, now i got to re-bring in the camera and do all right. this stuff. And stuff that, yeah, to make my sure. life easier, I, I learned a little bit of screen. Yeah, that's good. I think you think. I mean, do you think that's something that people should should pick up on their own? Like, like, hey, you know, learning some scripting is something that you should probably do just to to help you along the way. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be a pipeline person. It's just generally a good thing to have. Yeah, I like. I can. It's it's kind of like separate languages for me. I can read it better than I can write it. And sometimes, if you just go and you read somebody's stuff, you're like, oh, I see what they were trying to do. And slowly but surely, you start to pick up on it. Right. But yeah. But there's a lot of, there, there's a, there's the, uh, how, you know, the, the copy and paste style scripting, right? <laughs> yeah. I like this part. I do this part. Okay. Do we run it together? Yeah. I, yeah. Start, I started that way. I'd find one script yeah. on the script spot. I yeah. think, and I would try and mold multiples together um, to try and make something that I can use all in one script. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Did you learn Python, or what did you learn? This one was uh, Mac scripting for the okay. for a great portion of my career was all Max. Right. Okay. So we'll learn where you moved on from there, but <laughs> okay. So after 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 doing some interesting things like Green Lantern, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> where happened from there? Well, uh, the other the I guess the next big one was I got offered uh, ILM in Singapore, so uh, they wanted to fly me on the other side of the planet to to work on Transformers Four, whichever the first one was with Mark Wahlberg. Right. So that one was super cool. I got asked to go out there um, by Matthew Lee, who was the generalist supervisor out there. 
And so I was like, yeah, let's, uh, I put everything in storage, got out of my lease, took the wife and spent six months in Singapore, which was life changing. It was just something I would never think of ever doing. You know, the wife was supportive. Right. Let's go. Let's have a good time. And that was, that was wild. And it was also a big change up too, because the way that at the time ILM worked, and I, I think it's still similar, their 3D generalist position is for the one-off. So there were certain shots that were like, this asset gets way too close. And it's built to be half the screen or smaller. Well, give it to them. Let them figure it out. So we would right. either map paint our way out of it, make something that that will hold up that close and put it all together. But it was very much a, we're not going back to the assets. Figure it out. And we're like, all right, cool. Right. Let's uh, see what we can do. Like one of the big ones was we got a bumblebee falling down one of the, the buildings and it's only for one shot and he grabs on and just rips everything down well there's a point where he stops and there's the inside of the building that looks crazy so we had to model it out do all that stuff so it was only for one thing but we also had to integrate everything that the animation department was doing the effects department was doing because it would still be the effects department that was breaking all the glass but everything behind it had to be in our max world of projections and and modeling and stuff like that. So working and making sure all of our stuff doesn't overwhelm theirs, doesn't hold, have holdout mats. It was super fun. Like yeah. you talk about trying I've to solve a problem. That that was it. It was very cool. Yeah, I, I've always I've always been uh, super like impressed and. and, and and interested in the max and in the, in the ILM generalist group, right? Because I think they call it, did they even call it the generalist group? They used to call it something. Uh, they used to call it the Digimat department, and then now they uh, start just calling it the generalist yeah, group. Yeah, right? because I think they're trying to get some of the, the max guys. Um, a lot of guys from Pixamondo uh, ended up, in, I believe, in the San Francisco office and stuff like that. So I follow a bunch of those guys that we've all kept in touch. And so. A lot of them ended up over there. Some of them came with us out to Singapore. A couple of them went up to the Vancouver. So I, I think it is still the 3D generalist, but it is definitely the, all right, go figure it out. Hey, they, they, turn, <laughs> the, they do great work. So it's like, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I did, I did hear uh, uh, some stories specifically uh, about, what was it? Um, uh, uh, the oh, what's the one? The giant robots fighting the giant kaiju's. Uh, oh oh oh! That was um. It wasn't iron something. What the? I know the one you're talking about, and they had just finished that as as I was showing up too. Yeah, and the generalist group I heard it wasn't real like steel. No, real steel is a different one. No 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 no, no 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 guys. Yeah. Uh, 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 I forgot. I mean, anyway, I know what you're talking yell, about. Though. Yelling, they're yelling through the podcast. The answer, and I'm sorry for doing that. But <laughs> the story that I'm going to say is basically that the generalist department saved their butts on a lot of that stuff because they just like there was so much stuff. Like I don't know how this is going to work, and they just like they just figured it out. And I think it's I think what was interesting about that, and I think that's continued to be the case, is 
generalists like yourself started to become more respected. They didn't always, generalists were not always respected in the visual effects world. They yeah. thought that specialists were the way to go. And then generalists were saving the specialists in a lot of ways. So I remember that in, in college. It was like, whatever it is, be really good at one. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I, I like right. doing lots of things. I mean, it makes it fun for me. But uh, I definitely right. remember early, in, in the, early on in the career, it was very much a, you're either a lighter and you don't touch anything. You're a modeler and you don't do anything else. Or you're, you know, it's... You see that more in the, worse, in the yeah, big you're... places. The big places, they really do. Um, you know, I had modelers in ILM that, like, had no interest in learning anything else. But, boy, could they model, you know. And, and right. effects guys, they're like, I have no interest in modeling or making it look good, but I love destroying stuff. Or I love, you know, making, making right. whatever. So they still do exist. And, boy, are they good. But at the end of the day, if you need to get shots out, you have to have that pipeline. It's like, all right, well, it's got to go all the way back to modeling. Got to do all that, or you can give it to a generalist, and they'll they'll figure it out. Right, but I think that the, you know places like ILM obviously they also understood the benefit of generalists, and so they that's why they created their generalist group. And I start to see more and more generalist concepts that started to pop up all over the place mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So I think that's really really interesting uh, that that happened. All right, so Singapore, six months in Singapore. That was, like you said, life-changing experience. The, the, what, what, I mean, how was that, generally speaking? Um, it, was, it was really hard being on the other side of the, the planet for my family. The rest of my family, my dad ended up having like a, a near-death motorcycle accident like right as I got mm. there. And it was just like, there's nothing I can do. Like, it's just, so it was hard emotionally dealing with all of that. Um, my wife got uh, food poisoning while we were there, and we're like, I don't know where a hospital is. I don't know where anything is. What do we do? And it was, uh, you learn to be creative, and then also, I can do this. All right, let's figure it out. There's no more like, you know, is, I see it now more with the younger generation where it's like, oh, well, even within my family, I'm not saying other people. Where it's, uh, oh, well, mom knows. Oh, dad knows. Oh, this person knows. So then I'll just rely on them. It's like, no, you're on your own. Figure it out. But you get that confidence of like, yeah, I'm literally on my own. Let's go. Let's figure this out. And then once you do a couple of them, you're like, yeah, dude, it's fine. We'll, we'll get this. And so that's been a really right. big change for us. Um, we also had my daughter out there so we came back home to actually have her but it, that was a really right. cool thing to come home and start a whole new chapter and that's been really fun yeah. uh, seeing her grow up and it's hard in this industry for sure i mean her first like four years five years it was i got home i'd be the weekend dad you know uh, right. that's it's really rough in this industry to do that kind of stuff especially when i live an hour away so now yeah. I'm taking the motorcycle in at eight o'clock. So, you know, little kids get up early. So I got a couple hours with her in the morning, but she goes to bed super early. And then I just see her in the morning. So that was a little, little rough, but uh, we're making it count now. 
It's it's okay. been awesome. Yeah, now. yeah. Like, I'm at home. This is great. <laughs> I can have my lunch and I, have it I with know. the family. This is a it's a blessing in disguise for sure. For sure. Yeah. No. No. I. I. Yeah. I want to get to to, to your <laughs> your post uh, the uh, chaos. What's my wife call it? The pan? No. No. The pandy life. <laughs> she cuts it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes makes the pandemic sound yeah. cuter if you call yeah, it the pandemic. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but okay, so uh, all right, well, okay, so that was that was that's you came back to the U.S. Right, yeah. you came back and you started working again. Obviously, you're jumping around. Where where did you end up now? Well, like, what's the, what's the thing that you're working on now? Where well, now I'm over at Ghost uh, Ghost VFX um, with uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of good friends. It's pretty much like, oh, they've got this person, this person, this person. Yes. Come on, sign me up. I want to get back there. I want to hang out with the guys and and work on some awesome stuff. So I'm in their episodic department. So we're working. I'm not sure how much we're allowed to say, but there's a lot of fun stuff that we're that we're working on. Um, I probably should have okay. cleared it with them to see what I can and can't talk about. You know, like how some of this stuff is, but um, just episodics. Yeah, just episodics okay. and doing that stuff for fast turnaround yeah. uh, life. Is, is nice and really yeah. enjoying it. Well, cool. Cool. So who's, so where, where, I mean, I know like you, you say you can work from home at this, but, but there, where is Ghost in LA? There's a, They're in Burbank. Right. It's right down the street. Yeah, over Burbank. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so were they part of Picture Shop? Or picture, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Picture Shop and Ghost Effects, they, they all came together. They all came together. That's right. There was a merger that happened or something something to happen in that area and is yeah. mitch mitch gates is there too yeah yep okay. he's my direct over yeah all right. i love working with mitch yep yeah. worked with him at encore a couple times uh-huh. he was with me at uh at prime focus working on 24 or uh, avatar yeah it was, I, i've known him way back it's, it's been really fun to get back together yeah i i've known i've known mitch for for years a super nice guy very bright uh very friendly uh, I yeah. promised to have him on the podcast and we were going to do it like a couple of years ago. And I think we just kind of like forgot about it. But anyway, uh, I definitely, he's always up on. there with the, the V-Ray guys. Yeah. He's always trying to help. And, and he's like, all right, so if we do this, and this, yeah, he's yeah, always yeah. trying to, trying to help that. For sure. For sure. Well, that's very, I'm very interested. And now I know you can't necessarily talk about specific projects, but what can you tell me about ghost? I mean, you've been, how long have you been at ghost now? Uh, let's see. Uh, May, I okay. think May. Right. So yeah, it's it's been four four or five months, six okay. months maybe. All right. Yeah, I've I'm always curious about them. So what what can you tell me a little bit about the company and how 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 that's that's been? Kind of, kind of like a, like an encore or, or uh, fuse effects or any of the episodic heavy houses. Yeah, they still have um, a lot of other departments that you know they've got the sound, they've got the finalists or the the, the colorists and stuff the like colors, that. Yeah. They've got some flame guys. Um, I I guess it's it's all. I guess it's kind of hard to explain other than. Uh, It's just traditional episodic work, but it's not as chaotic as as other places that I've been because they do a really great job of planning, making sure everybody's got enough time. I know how that's such a big deal. So um, we tend to have 
one thing I noticed is they go out of their way to make sure that your notes are not ambiguous. Oh, good. Oh yeah. So that's my favorite. It's like, you know, add, add more shine. Like wait, what? He'll, yeah. They'll go into a certain frame, mark it up, say, I need more of this and this, go to another frame, say over here, I want this and this, as long as you nail the actual notes, you're like, great. Awesome. I don't like reading minds, especially over, you know, you, you can't sit in the same room with them most of right. the time. So it's like having those, um, very, very precise notes is awesome. It is, yeah. saves you so much time. Yeah. Um, and pretty much everything you need, they, they, they've got a, a good size farm. I love it. I never have right. to really wait too long for things. Their scripts, um, all of their pipeline seems to work really, really well, but you right. can't say that for every single company. Right. But you know, there's less hacking. You don't have to hack as much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was always curious about ghost. I mean, I, I know that they're, they're customers of chaos as you, as you know, and stuff. And so mm. they've been, we've been working with them for, for a while, but uh, I've always like, I've seen so much growth, you know, like they've, they went from like yes. this and then they're growing and growing and growing and growing and they've acquired a lot of, cause I think that I believe they're required to technicolor visual effects department as well. And they just keep yeah. growing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right? We have uh, monthly meetings where they say what's going on in the company. They keep everybody on track of all of those things, which you don't get. Normally it's Transparency. Like if, you're, if, you're a worker, if you're a worker, you just sit down and do your job. It's like, that's not how ghost does it. Everybody's, yeah in on the big meetings every well they explain what's going on not that you necessarily have to say it's why we have the big guys making the big decisions but right. uh they'll inform you of everything if you've got a question they have no problem talking to you about it and getting everything which is well so nice well that sounds great because honestly i think you're absolutely right communication is something that visual effects companies are not necessarily strong at like communicating the correct notes or communicating what the hell's going on with the company oh yeah so trend so transparency is great uh that's really cool so i yeah i'm curious i want to i want to find out more about uh about ghost and, and and get down to you know figuring out what what kind of interesting things they're, they're yeah. doing there because it's cool it's really cool yeah, I, I always I always look at the crews first. So if we if they can keep certain friends of mine really happy, I'm like, oh, this person, this person, this person, this person. They've all been there for a year and a half, two years. I'm like, they're doing something right. If they're able to keep the people I know to be good or, or I get along with or I work well with, then I'm like, great. Then that gives me an extra push to want to be there. And then when you get there, you're like, it's just a fun club. Everybody's happy. Everybody's, you know, me, like I said, the environment is, is number one, the people you work with, that's where you spend most of your time is with these people. And right. that's, that's a big part for me. Now, are you still, you're still living down in Orange County area? Yeah. Well, I was, I had to, when I came back from Singapore, I had to find a, a new place and now I'm in Chino Hills, which is even further away from LA, unfortunately. So, um, I, I don't like okay. commuting, but it's one of those, uh, you do it for the family. Sure. So, sure, sure, sure. But, <laughs> but obviously, uh, you know, the, like you said, the pandemic has changed a lot of those things for you. Oh, right? yeah. So, yeah, so what been... was, how did that, how did that sort of 
materialize itself? I mean, sort of things that, that, you know, how did that change? And when did you start to realize the differences that you can do? Uh, well, I mean, if we want to get into to the unfortunate part of it is I did take nearly a year off. Oh, okay. Everything shut down. It just, you, there was no work for what, nine months, I think there was just nothing. Wow. I was trying to do anything. I was, uh, yeah, I was doing, uh, exterior house painting, working on cars, building stuff, doing everything I wow. could. So it was definitely a, a hard time, but if you look on the bright side, I got to see my daughter ride a bike with no training wheels. We got to learn to play hockey and do some fun stuff. So you, you got the silver lining wherever you can where you can get it. But this is the most time I've spent with the family over the last year and a half. However long it's yeah. been almost two at this point. It's been great, but it definitely is, is hard. Uh, and now that we've all started working again, which is awesome. Now uh, it's it's been really great to kind of Every morning, I take the dog and the family on a walk, and we do it every single day, and the whole neighborhood knows us, and every night, I'm able to be here for dinner. She goes to karate. Every so often, I can go and take her to karate, and it's just been a really nice change-up because our industry is so rough when it really hits the the final push of a project or anything like that. It's, um, you know, it's... It, it takes up a lot of time, especially if you're throwing a commute in there. If I get two to three hours back from not having a commute, that's that's better for everybody. Yeah. For sure. And do you think that's going to continue? That one's hard to tell. I know that Ghost is pushing on going back. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen or if that's going to be forced. Um, uh-huh we're hitting all the deadlines we need to hit. Um, I haven't been late on any of the stuff that I need to do. Everything's been uh, on the positive. So I, I don't know where it's going to go. I've heard of a couple companies. Who was it? Oh my goodness. Why did I forget that one? There was one that said we will do from home indefinitely. And I forgot which one. But Zoic did that. Zoic. Zoic, says Zoic that. did it. So I was like, awesome. I think that you're going to yeah. get, uh, heck, I'd even give an extra hour in for free if I didn't have to commute. So. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Uh, my friend Dan Thron, he's he's been, I think he's he's at uh, Pixo, and I think he's they're letting him work from home as well. And he's way to hell out there too, like you know, like yeah. <laughs> and uh, he would he actually was taking he he does. He does uh, his wife has a car, so he doesn't have a car. So he was taking public transportation to get there. He was taking two hours every day to get to work and two hours back. So it's four hours on like buses and trains and stuff. And I was like, what are you doing? But, uh, realistically, you know, it's so, an hour and a half for me, hour and a half each way minimum, probably two hours back in a car. Right. That's why I rode a motorcycle for so long. But unfortunately, I had a pretty bad motorcycle accident and the wife wanted me to stop <sighs> riding for a bit. So I've been driving. And then all this stuff happened, right. but um, yeah, that's why I rode the motorcycle for so long. It only took me an hour when I was still covering a yeah. hundred miles a day on a bike oh. <laughs> for eleven yeah. years. Eleven yeah. years, a hundred miles a day. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's great because I, you know, obviously, you know, you and I have been, uh, you know, Facebook friends, so I get to 
little peek inside of your life and you definitely seem to be very happy with you and your daughter and, and your and your wife and your family life and so i think you know that, that there's an opportunity for people like you to remove that out of the out of the equation i am hoping so <laughs> i i know that um it, it is making it more more family friendly there used to be the big stim stigma of like you can't have a family and be individual effects yeah. um I remember me and Mike Oakley would work at uh, at uh, Encore, and I believe he was a—I think it was a girlfriend at the time—and my wife were calling each other the VFX Widows Club because you just never saw us, and they're like, "That was right." You never saw us. It was really, really hard. I'm hoping that we can get more people in there. You can have families that come in, want to be a part of the industry because, yeah, it's gonna be hard from time to time, but. Uh, that's fine. I mean, a little bit is fine. All the time is rough. Yeah. Well, what about the infrastructure for working from home? Like, do you have like fast enough internet? What kind of computer do you need? Like, do you get the right color? Like, these are mm, questions I've always. Yes. Uh, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that one too. Um, right. <laughs> right now, I have fast enough internet to do what I want. But my house is made of like it's a 1920s like house, so the walls are like brick, and so I lose it as I get. Right, right now I'm in the back of the house, so you need repeaters. Right. You need to do some stuff to make sure that you can maintain, you know, at least 60 to 80 megs at at your machine at all times, and it fluctuates and does that kind of right. stuff. But um, it definitely. You need to have fast internet. The color is really tricky, mainly because I've got two that are completely different, two monitors that are totally different. But as long as I'm able to do my my reference image and my final image that I'm kicking out on the same screen, then all I do is match the amount of red, match the amount of green, match the amount of blue. So by the time they look on a on a on a different monitor it should at least match the reference but you can't just like oh this looks good and send it and that you have to have reference you have to have a plate that it right. goes into to make sure that your your values are even in the ballpark um yeah i've wondered about going like and trying to get people color calibrated monitors to work from home you know yeah. and how do you ensure that it stays that you'd way? have to if you give wow. them a, a company issued box with a company issued two monitors then you can kind of work that a little better but right now this is all my stuff which i had to i, I lost my my laptop broke a couple months ago and so i had to go and buy a whole new computer for all of this which right. not the greatest thing to have to drop money on but right. i'll do it if it's to stay home for sure right right mm -hmm. um I think that that would be nice if a company would be able to, you've already got a box at home or you've, you've got the box that you're working on at, at the location. It'd be nice if they just gave you a little, little repeater box um, at home would have right. been nice, but like. They make Teradici boxes that are just like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. that would be nice to have yeah. company issue. There's a right. handful of supervisors, I believe, that have that, but your your general general okay. uh, workforce uses their own stuff. All right. Well, that's interesting. So, okay. So, so uh, you, 
fast enough internet, color collaboration. I mean, generally speaking, what about the hours? Like, you know, no, you don't have to drive. <laughs> and yes, yeah. you get to have dinner with your, with your family. Uh, but I know like, you know, my wife, she's still sometimes, you know, she's a flame artist and she's doing a bunch of work, but she's, mm -hmm. she sometimes works from home. She's working like 80 hours, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Um, I, I did some, some work at method in between all of this stuff and it was, we got a commercial coming up. We need as much of your time as possible. And, uh, I do have to say, I've got a mechanical keyboard. And I, I'm in like the back bedroom area, so my wife's like gonna sleep on the couch because <laughs> you know you can only do so much. But I like I like having an illuminated mechanical keyboard, and so she's like, sure. "Fine, I'll, I'll sleep somewhere else." That's, that's all right. Um, the hours, it's I haven't seen that big of an issue, um, probably because I'm used to if you're gonna do a ten-hour day, I'm not getting home until like 11 o'clock at night if I was on location because I still have an hour ride home, you know, and all the other stuff where I'm like, if I've got a 10 hour day, I can start work at eight if I want to do all my stuff. And I'm done by seven or eight o'clock at night. I think that's fine. Um, and most of the time now it is, you're allotted a very specific amount of time. It's not you work until it's done. It's like, can you work? A 10 hour day can you work a 12 hour day can you work on sundays which is what i really really love about ghost is they ask it's yeah. not demanded it's one of those like we would really like for you to do it but it's, it's a it's one of those like we'll give you a heads up instead of friday all right well how's your weekend looking you're like busy yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're really good about about paying attention to the fact that other people have lives. Yeah. I think I remember specifically it was at Sony when they were like, okay, just, just to give you a heads up, we're currently working 45 hour weeks, but in about four months, we're going to have to move to 50 hour weeks. <laughs> it's like, oh my I can wait. Yeah. It was oh, like, yeah. oh, it's, that's fine. That's plenty of heads up. <laughs> Don't go crazy there. Yeah. <laughs> Now, we have certain shots that need to go out, so they're like, can you put in a couple hours tonight, and I'll have a hockey game or something like that. And I'm, a, I'm the goaltender. If I don't show right. up, they don't play. So it's like, right. well, not really. I mean, I can log in afterwards. I can log in at 11 o'clock tonight and, and knock some stuff right. out. And they're like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, they'll, they'll work with you. I know that not all right. companies are like that, but um, it's, it's nice to be a part of one that's, that at least asks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting. And I think there's going to be certain certain changes that I think for for people like you, who's, you know, can 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 enjoy the 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 changes that are happening. Do you do you feel down deep down that those changes are going to affect you for the rest of your career in a lot of ways in terms of how right. the pandemic is doing things? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's it's kind of pointed out. Like, I knew how, so I guess it's early on in my career, you didn't say no, right? If they wanted you to work overtime, you didn't really have a choice. You said, 
Of course. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. Uh, you put in the extra hours so that you can be on somebody's good list. You, you do what you have to do to, to keep everybody happy so you stay employed as long as possible. Um, and then as, as I moved along, it was one of those, like, I was okay saying no to, to people's like, but we need your overtime. Like I've got, I've got family plans. I'm not going to say it to be a, a jerk. I'm just, I've got things that I'm not willing to budge on because I'm at that point where I'm like, I don't, don't really care if you don't like me for a couple seconds, I'm still doing my job. Give me a heads up. I'm able to do that. And then, so that was the next big step and, um, standing up for yourself a little bit and not being taken advantage of. And then now it has definitely opened up the, the mentality of like, especially for me, my daughter's only going to be young for so long. I really want to be there as much as possible, spend as much, as many weekends and, and stuff with her as possible. And this has made it possible. So then when we go back, if we go back to it being full, all right, well, we're doing, you know, 60 hour weeks and you're working the weekend and you're doing all these things. It's like, that's not, I'm not really standing up for that anymore. I may, you know, when she's off doing whatever, want to jump back in full steam, but it's just going to be a really hard justification of going back to it because it is so nice right now. I am enjoying so much of being there. And even if I'm back here, I, she can still come in and be like, hey, check out this cool project because she's homeschooled. Check out this cool project right. I'm doing. Like, that's amazing. That's so cool. That would never be really possible um, on site. So it, there, there are those benefits. I'm still getting all my work done. I'm still communicating, still doing everything that needs to be done. But there's just that little extra smile at the end of the day. So that one's going to be a hard yeah. one if, if that goes away. I agree. I think that there's a lot of, you know, interesting things that are happening. And I've heard both sides of things. I spoke to someone that's like, oh, no, they're still going to want people to move to, you know, subsidized tax locations to do their, their thing. And then I've also heard stories of people like they're so busy at Weta that they're hiring a bunch of people in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> that are still living in L.A. working at Weta. I was like, OK, so it's like this. So I've, I've heard, you know, a little bit of, of both sides of the story. Uh, and honestly, what's interesting is like, you know, like you said, you were during the early part of the pandemic, you were you weren't working and you were having a hard time finding work. But right now, it seems that there's actually a big demand for artists and a lot of work out there. Oh, absolutely. True? I there was quite a quite a few people that I knew were, were out of work the same time I was. And now I don't know a single person that's not working. And I, I get calls um, quite a bit just for little gigs and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I know there's just there's not enough arms, not enough hands, not enough computers. Um, right. So it's it's nice. It's it's all full. I don't know anybody that's not working that wants to be. Some, some right. people wanted to change you- change careers and stuff like that, but. So anybody who wants to be working right now can usually find something. Yeah, and since you've, I mean, you've worked on a lot of, you know, big movies and, and episodics and commercials and all that kind of work. You've worked on, on every scale of thing that's possible. Uh, do you feel that, uh, like, this, the streaming 
worlds has sort of taken over in terms of the amount of visual effects quantity work that's out there right oh now? yeah um probably the last four films i did were were netflix stuff so um right. when i was over at zero um the effects with with rob um then yeah. we i had to learn maya so that was a really fun thing i love learning new stuff so i got, had to be pushed into maya learn that whole pipeline and do all that, yep. um, which I'm very grateful for them giving me the time to, to learn it because you there is a little bit of pickup time and trying to figure that stuff out. Um, all of it was Netflix. So it mm. was like, yeah, we've got big sequences that go in. And um, I have very little interest in going to the movie theater and I love working on them. I'd much rather stay home and put my feet up have my dog next to me and do all the stuff that I want to do, not have someone yelling right. in the back. So I totally get the whole Netflix stuff. We've got all of the HBO, the Disney, all of that stuff. They're, the streaming situation is, um, that's going to be the wave. I mean, it already is. Yeah. And they're yeah. already throwing so much money. I think even Amazon, Amazon's throwing a ton of money at it too. So, that oh, everybody's throwing money at they're, it. They're going to redo the whole Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> so they're going to do the whole thing all over again. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of work. There, it's uh, I can't. I don't foresee anything going, um, going down anytime soon. There's just there's just too many avenues of, of work. Yeah. Yeah, I I I have this. I have a, another podcast that you may know called the Martini yep. Giant. And I didn't, me I didn't know Eric was on that for the longest time. I was like, ah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eric is on there as well. So Eric and Dan and I always obviously have debates about movies. It's, you know, but I, I always, I'm the one arguing. It's like, you know what? You got a 4K HDR TV mm -hmm. in your house with, you know, Dolby Atmos sound. You set that up. It's not massively expensive to set mm -hmm. that up anymore. And I don't see a need to go to the theaters. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And, and you can, mm -hmm. it's just gotten so expensive. Like my wife justifies oh, all God. the time to, she's like, oh, we're going to watch the new Disney one. I'm like, dude, that's like 35 bucks to stream it. I'm like, that's crazy. She's like, I would have spent $45 for all of us to go to the theater. I'm like. Oh, or, or more. Like, oh, yeah, like, that's valid. Yeah. Uh, Easily, like easily, set like just just a popcorn for God's sake. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's so bad that I'm like, yeah, yeah oh, all right, cool. Let's rent it. You want to watch it while it's while it's hot and do all that? Fine. Very yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I was sure. I was thinking that a long time ago, but only now in the last two three years have, have the big TVs come down enough to where it's like okay. Most people have a big screen TV now. Most people have decent audio and the, the color is close enough that you're not going to really complain about yeah. it. Yeah. They are actually now, you know, what's interesting is um, like the TV that I got a TV recently and I know it's like it's an OLED TV and it's nice and all that stuff, but they're they're, the movie industry itself is starting to pressure TVs to not do so much shenanigans in terms of color and stuff on their Especially TVs, the right? Ones. And so they actually have like, yeah, they have their 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 cinema mode, which is like the director approved, like 
turn off all the motion smoothing, right. you know, make the color accurate and, you know, don't make it super ridiculously bright or saturated, mm -hmm. you know, or don't Samsung the movie. Oh, absolutely. You know yep. So now they do, they now they're actually doing good color and it's like, this looks great. You know, like I watched Dune on, on my TV. I was like, this is beautiful, beautiful. Now I know everyone's like, oh, you should go see it in theaters. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, once you, is it going to make the story yeah, better? that's how I kind of feel. <laughs> Once you've done enough visual effects, you're like, okay, I know when someone spent... I just see time. It's like, don't get me wrong. It looks gorgeous, and someone, like, came up with something amazing, and I just see time. Like, that person got to spend a lot of time on that shot. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. You got to spend a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And then as you go through, it's like, I need story. I need some something to, to bring you in. Yeah. We, we've seen enough stuff blow yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah character development absolutely i think that's why um <laughs> game of thrones did so well every character was different every character worked within its its you know realistic expectation and it was great besides like all the crazy shenanigans you know, that went along with it the people you really kind of felt for them and there were a lot of them so there was, it was very interesting. I actually spoke to uh, to one of the original uh, writers and, and, and showrunners for uh, Game of Thrones, and he was telling a story to me uh, about how uh, in the first season they did something, but then they realized they were out of money <laughs> for what they were doing, and they had they still had some time to fill in this episode. It's like, well, what? How are we going to fill this out? And they like, oh, and so they they just the writers got creative about it, and they said. We're just going to make this scene, which is going to be the scene between Cersei and I forgot which scene it was, but it was about Cersei having a conversation with someone. It was just, you know, just shot together like that. It was my mm -hmm. son running behind me. Uh, <laughs> um, I saw that. Uh, but uh, they created a scene, and it turns out that that writing and that character building was like one of the best scenes in the whole yep. show. And it really got everyone super excited, and it was the cheapest thing to do. It just involved good writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's a uh, good writing. It's I think half of our stuff is making actors not look crazy, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. They're in a car driving and they're <laughs> just sitting on a simulator. It's like our job is to make them not look crazy. Right. But we can't ever modify a script. We can't ever modify how they put the stuff together. Yeah. So it's like I, I really, really enjoy good, good writing, good acting, good dialogue. What was yeah, your favorite? Something what, I've actually gotten pretty solid on. I want good dialogue yeah. these days. What, what's what's your what's the favorite movie you ever worked on, regardless of visual effects or whatever? Like as a movie itself that you enjoyed working that you enjoyed working on. As a, I have a really hard time with that okay. because I always see version one and version two of my shots. Mm -hmm. Even if I, I look back later, I'm like, oh, that shot turned out pretty good. I'm like, I always see. The, the okay. blocking the mm -hmm. version one version two so um i mean probably avatar yeah um i thought everything looked really beautiful in that um i wish i had more to do with it right um but i was glad to be a part of it yeah yeah well each was the other one where it was just it ate up so much of my life and learning so much and having to to deal with just a whole different genre of scale. Like that was another one that I hold kind of dear is 2012, even though it's like really long, really long movie. It's, it's one I think I've only seen like 
two times, maybe three times. Right. But it's just one of those, the backstory is just as great as as the film being done. Well, the visual effects of that earthquake are some, some of the best visual effects of the year, for sure. And it was amazing. So you should be very proud of yeah, that. The, the sure. breakdowns. There was, there's a breakdown some, I think somewhere on YouTube, I think Rienzo mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. Of, of that. And you just see, oh my goodness, just how many passes, how many elements, how many people had their fingers on it. It was really just very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, we've been over now, and it was great catching up with you, Nathan. Really great to see you again. I know. Um, I need to go fishing now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to go fishing. You should. You should. Do you fish at all? Uh, I'm very bad at it. But okay. we do uh, more lake fishing than anything else. So I'm trying to get my daughter into it. we got the license and everything, but I can't ever seem to catch anything. She doesn't have the attention for it yet. Yeah. Yeah. How old is she? She is just turned seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. I'll get there. Yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, it's funny you say I should go fishing. Um, Yeah, I haven't actually been fishing in over a week, so I kind of got the the (gasps) Jimmy. I found found a place to go fishing literally 14 minutes from my house, and that is kind of amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, that's where I've been catching all these carp, so I'm pretty excited. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. Well, listen, thank you so much, Nathan. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and, you know, good luck with all this amazing stuff that goes. Hopefully someday you'll be able to tell us what magical things you're working on and we'll be able to see a little bit more of your work. But I've always enjoyed your work, always enjoyed your company. Uh, and like I said, when you when we first hired you at, uh, at Sway many, 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 many years ago, I was like, this guy's got the right attitude. You know, we're giving – I gave you <laughs> – yeah, every day you had to like submit like a hundred different things to the farm and you managed it and watched it carefully. I was like, this is very tedious work and he's doing it with a smile on his face. So I'm excited. Well, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to plug one little thing. I don't remember if I said it in the beginning for all the, the younger listeners out there. Okay, my yeah. First, my first job with Nichols was Render Monkey. That's right. That was my official title was Render Monkey. You're never yep. too good to go in there and do what needs to be done. Yep. I did. Yeah. We did. I did say you're going to be the render monkey and I'm sorry. Yeah, but, I, and I, you were like, that's cool, man. I'll do it. I was like, fine. <laughs> and it turned out great. I just got to sit there and listen to everybody do some good, good stuff. Everybody had a good attitude and it, it just made it really enjoyable that everybody was in, when yeah. it was in high spirits. So. And you sat next to Daniel Buck, I think. So he was just handing you off stuff, I think, right? So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we had a great time. Well, thanks for having me.